For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Welcome back, Josh. Hello, Dan. Tax season winding down. Just got back from Vegas. Hope you had a good time. I did. Donated a little money, but had lots of fun and went to go see a Las Vegas Knights hockey game. Excellent. What an amazing product. Vegas, when they do it, they do it well. They do it big. That's go big be, or go home. That's going to be embarrassing if they win the Stanley Cup and we've been waiting here for uh, 77 years or whatever. Um, it feels like that anyway. <laughs> so this evening on the program, we're going to talk to a design firm that's been in business for a while. This is not a, a sort of fly-by-night web operation. They've been here since the late 90s. 20 uh, years. Plank, uh, Warren Wolanski and Steve Biesenet with us in just a little bit. We'll also talk to Michelin Mayette a little later in the program about uh, some HR issues. Uh, but first, some news and notes as usual. And we have a bunch of stories uh, left over from the past couple of weeks as we were off for and breaking news. Um, first, uh, how to make employees happy. Um, this retailer, uh, I believe this is the Gap Josh, spent mm-hmm. $30,000 on its employees, and they say they got a return of $3 million in sales. How do you do that? And it's not so much about spending hard dollars. It wasn't that they gave little things out and, and gift certificates and all that. It was more about managing the employees' time better. So, Instead of, you know, consistency is huge. You know, you can talk about any business, you know, your business, my business, a retail or otherwise. If you can have a consistent group of talent year in, year out that deals with your customer base, that gets to know them and gets to understand the, the environment, that is that that is that is huge. That will replace any little uh, gift certificate or, or cost that you have. So what, what this this article that I read in Inc.com, was talking about Gap, and they were saying that it's it's what they did. They eliminated a few things, or they eliminated and created. They eliminated the store manager's ability to cancel a shift on an employee up to two hours before the store sh- uh, before the shift started. Because you know, when you're in retail, you know you you want your it's all about cost uh, control, and you know you want to, you don't want to have too many people on the floor, but uh, you don't want to have too few people on the floor, and this that and the other. So there's a lot of, a lot of being nimble. But when they were starting to work with their employee schedules, a lot more consistency, uh, even though it cost them a little bit more in salary. Uh, they 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 just turned it into to a huge amount of sales. A couple of other things they did: they uh, employee schedules needed to be posted two weeks in advance, whereas they were posted much much less than that. And of course, keeping consistent schedules instead of keep changing them all the time, guaranteeing a core group up to twenty hours a week instead of a few hours here, a few hours there, uh, setting consistent start and times and end times for shifts and increasing staffing during surge times. So all these things really contribute to a healthy employee, a healthy team environment. And that translates into happy people, you know, customer service that goes above and beyond because they're happy to be there. They know that it actually results in decreases in theft because you have a consistent group there. It it can result in better inventory management because you have enough people there to make sure the inventory is clean and not messy. You know, you won't have your false revise when things are hidden in the back or under a pile. It can have a lot of uh, a lot of information. So you have a lot of consistency that goes through it. A lot of entrepreneurs, you know, these are the hidden costs, right? You 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 save some money on a few hours at a few employees, but it can cost you a hell of a lot more in 
decreased efficiency and and just lost charges. So entrepreneurs really have to you know understand the hidden cost as well. This story, you know, some people were framing it uh, when I was reading the articles as uh, as a big perk, I guess, for employees. And when I look at sort of the the perk culture for millennial workers, I'm not seeing that trickle down to the retail sector. You know, when you get to the corporate level, you have you know the the bean bags and the coffee and the breakfast and and the yoga and all that stuff. But at the retail level, there's it still seems kind of like it was 20 years ago when I was working retail. I just don't know. You know, there's a job and there's a career. And I think there's a difference in how employers look at their employees with that. In a retail environment, you go to a Gap store, you go to McDonald's, whatever. I think the employers think, okay, there's people that's come and go. They have a job. Why should I invest in so many things if I know they're going to move on anyways? It's it's very temporary from that aspect. I believe that becomes the mindset. doesn't make it right. And certainly, uh, you know, if you're talking about managers or people that can move up, if you invest a little bit of time and effort and energy, then you can absolutely create a phenomenal work environment and talent that will stay and help your business grow. So this brings me to my entrepreneur question of the week, and it has to do with, with keeping millennial employees satisfied professionally and just fulfilled in general. Um, our friend Carl Moore of the CEO series is writing a book on this, really, how to, how to keep millennial workers happy. Um, the best way I, I like to do it is not necessarily spending money on a bunch of perks and all these you know snacks and stuff like that. It's by letting them express themselves creatively and just by having their own side projects within the business and having stuff that is motivating for them and, and giving our resources and and support to their uh, to them sort of going off and doing their own thing um, but that's that's just me but what do you, what are your thoughts on on how much effort companies should put into these uh, to these sort of millennial age perks well there's no question that it's uh, that they're regardless of the generation there's different areas and aspects that motivate uh, you can lump everybody into one category but it doesn't always work I've seen you know millennials that have some gen X uh, qualities and some millennials that have some almost baby boomer qualities. So not it's not you can't always generalize on what drives people. That being said, there's no question that uh, the younger team member today, uh, I believe in and I see this in our firm and I, I see it elsewhere, do want to feel more connected. They do want to have a little bit of input. They do want to have a little bit of freedom. They don't want you know to have that hovering parent uh, or hovering boss over them. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that some of them might need it uh, for a little discipline or a little, you know, learning, experience, mentoring. Uh, but it's, it, it, I agree with what you're doing. You know, the, the letting them express themselves, uh, very big, letting them run with it, trusting them to a certain degree. Now, of course, you don't want, you need to still manage your, your customer base. You can't, you don't want to give them enough rope to hang them with. You still got to you got to you train them cuz what they're also looking for is feedback and we're going to talk about that later in the program with Michelin when we're going to talk performance management and performance management at different generation levels, but it's it's definitely about feedback. It's about constant interaction and knowing that they that it's a two-way discussion and not not a one-way street. It's not a dictatorship. It is it is really much more than that. This is from the Financial Post um, from the CEO of a group called Parent Tested, uh, Parent Approved. Um, she writes that marketing to keep your ideal customer doesn't have to come at a high cost, if anything at all. Uh, are we still talking about social media as sort of um, a shortcut to, to marketing? What are, what are her tips? No, for her, it's really about being connected with your customer. It's really about you know finding that empathy level. It's about understanding your audience. 
and making sure you find a way to connect with that audience so that it keeps them back. We always, you know, when we were talking about retail just before, it's always finding that reason why, why to come into the store. It's not, it. yes, of course, it's about your product and service. Yes, it has to be uh, affordable or the bang for the buck has to be there. It can't be out of whack completely. But if you can't, uh, find a way to connect with your customer. And I'm talking about the SMEs of the world, uh, you know, the small, medium-sized enterprises. If you can't find a way to connect with your customer, it's going to be that much easier for them to jump if there is a, a downturn in the business or if there is some change whatsoever. So there, you know, she gave an example of uh, Dove. Now, this is a huge company, but Dove didn't never used big-named actors, never used the, the the perfect person. They used regular people to display their products to show them. That was their way this for this monster company to connect with its ultimate end user so that it, it's it's more of an understanding and more of a, a manageable aspect. Also from the Financial Post, the huge job opportunity in Canadian tech that no one is talking about. What is that opportunity? Sales. Sales, sales, sales. You, you think tech and... Uh, and you're you're thinking programmers, you're thinking you know a whole bunch of other of other opportunities. However, if you have the most phenomenal product, the most the greatest app, the greatest idea, fantastic. But if you can't properly voice how that's going to work and help and ultimately sell and bring in dollars, then you know it's useless. Now you still have to have a great application. You still need a great product, a great service, but there are probably not enough salespeople around there to around certainly in Canada definitely more in the states because the tech community is is that much more advanced but certainly in Canada uh, if you we need more salespeople we need to you know tech companies are absolutely grasping grasping for new salespeople uh, Salesforce, by the way, recently announced they're uh, going to sink uh, hundreds of millions into, into Canada. Um, that'll be in, uh, in 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 the form of an investment fund and other investments. That could be interesting. Um, also, in uh, in entrepreneurial news and notes, I think no, we don't have time for any more. We'll save the rest. We for can next. save it for next. Let's time. Let's do that. Uh, let's go to our guests coming up right uh, in just a second. Uh, it will be from. Uh, from 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 Plank. Uh, from Plank, Warren Wolanski and Steve Bissonette. They'll talk about uh, the the journey from I guess uh, Web 1.0 right up until today, and uh, one of the few web firms that uh, have stood the test of time. So we'll talk to the founders of Plank coming up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, let's welcome our guests, Warren Wolanski and Steve Bissonnette. They are of Plank Digital Agency. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So first, tell us a little bit about uh, Plank. Um, yeah, so Plank is a company that builds websites and mobile applications, um, mainly for arts, entertainment, and cultural organizations. Now, there's got to be a little bit more than that. You know, you're doing a lot more. You're more involved with your clients. You've been around 20 years. Um, what were you doing before this? So in principle, this is what we've been doing for 20 years. Um, 
what's happened is that the whole world around digital has changed. So 20 years ago, we might have been putting up a web page or, a, you know, a series of 10 web pages that are nicely designed um, and leaving it at that. But now everything we're doing, it's interactive. Um, there's content management systems. There's um, integration with social media. There's all kinds of things around it. So when we say a website, it's really more of a digital project or a digital platform, something really rich and engaging. Now, you're, you, you mentioned you're, you're in the, the arts and culture and entertainment. Uh, why that? Why, why are you focused in that one industry sector? Well, uh, Warren and I come from fairly liberal arts backgrounds. Like I come from the design side, so does he. Um, as we got into taking on clients, we started as, I guess, young entrepreneurs 20 years ago. It really did fall to, uh, to this natural way of looking to those clients, you know, looking to like artistic things that we like, bands, music, film. Um, so we always endeavored for those, but we had to take other projects to pay the bills. Over time, we slowly specialized into that as we got better at it, right? These days, it seems like a, a lot of companies are working off sort of the same WordPress template. When you're working in the arts, do you have the chance to sort of do something completely different, creative or crazy? And can you tell, us, tell me about maybe a couple of those those projects? Yeah, so um, we've definitely done WordPress-related projects, but um, there's different scales. A lot of people imagine that a WordPress project is about downloading a template, installing it, and then just you have your website, which you can do and is a reasonable way to, to build a web platform. But what we're doing is really rich. Um, I keep using the word rich. Um and I was going to say engaging again, but um, really what it comes down to is that every is the kind of organizations we work with, you want to have a really personalized look and feel. So, for example, we worked with the rock band Rush, and that was built on WordPress. But we went out of our way to really capture the feel, the spirit of Rush and the relationship with their fans. And that's the kind of thing you're not going to get from a template. How does one go out and get such a big name band like Rush as your customer? Well, I'll say it because Warren might be too humble to say it. Uh, Warren has been very good at uh, these moonshot calls, kind of these calls to clients that we might love to have. Uh, in the case of Rush, uh, he had a friend in the States who owned another digital agency and they had partnered together. He knew that this friend was a super fan. So they wrote a letter together and uh, sent it off to the band and it happened to hit you know, it's a good joke, the right chord, right? I mean, it did, uh, it, it worked. And it was the right time. Their 40th anniversary tour was starting. And we had worked with, I mean, we worked with Eventco and some other music, you know, uh, sites and projects in Canada. It did work well for us. How do you pitch uh, someone of that magnitude? I mean, do you have to go in saying your website eh, could be better kind of thing? Or how, how do you, how do you say, sell that delicately? So the, the way that we've dealt with it is, um, is it, whenever I do that, I don't see it as cold calling. I don't see it that way at all. You could, you could look and go, well, on paper it is because I'm reaching out cold to somebody. But what I'm doing is I'm reaching out for a passion project. So that when we're doing that, it becomes utterly clear to the person on the other end that I really care about them. When we wrote that letter to Rush, it was clear that these were coming from fans and we were people who were going to take really good care of them. Um, I've done it other times before. We worked with Michael Moore for almost 10 years. Wow. And that in itself was also, I reached out to him at a certain point when just the timing worked out really well. It was clear that we were fans and, and he knew that we were going to take care of him because of that. Do you remember your first customer? Uh first customer like when you first started 20 years ago you were you were targeting us you were still you were targeting arts and culture back then mm -hmm. um and how did you get your name out there like how did you get that first few customers in the door how did they know about you so when we started um we actually started it 
probably because we had just enough work to get by. So I was working freelance and with a few other organizations and myself and two partners. Um, Steve has been a partner and been the first, he was our first employee, but we started off with two other partners. One left early on, one left about five years later. But um, when we started, we all had just pieced enough together, enough freelance work that we kind of just could pay the bills and just pay for the rent. So we just decided to take that little leap. We didn't really know that we were starting a company. We just knew we weren't going to be working for somebody else. So our first, so funny enough, I would say our first client actually was Nine West Shoes that we had inherited from a relationship at a previous company we were at. So that was a pretty good first client to have. Uh, I, I would say so. Now, you deal more with not-for-profit than for-profit entities, or is it a, a mix? A um, mix? It, it's a mix, about 50-50 right now. Uh, that number shifts kind of quarter to quarter. Um, we've gotten, uh, then on the not-for-profit side, we've gotten pretty good at helping um, specifically Canadian nonprofits go and get the funding they might need so they can do good work. Right? It's a real uh, strength of ours that we can talk to these agencies, these organizations, and help them understand what it means to get money to do digital projects in Canada. And uh, so that's become a big focus of ours beyond the actual for-profit work, which we do quite a bit of too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of a reason for doing that is that we really want to build partnerships with whoever we're working with. We don't want it ever to be something where they see us as a supplier or a consultant of some kind. We want to be a partner. So the funding works for us where we're actually sitting with that arts organization and actually working with them on developing the funding and the application and the ideas and the projects with them together. Warren Rolanski and Steve Biesnet of Plank Digital Agency. They're our guests this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. Coming up, we'll uh, chat more with them, uh, talk to them whether or not, uh, about whether or not everyone needs a website. Plus, uh, Mishin Mayette will join us on uh, HR issues uh, towards the end of the program as well. professional advice with a personal touch consult fl fuller landau chartered professional accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com welcome back to today's entrepreneur presented by fl montreal a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives quebec business my name is dan delmar along with fl montreal's josh miller and our guests this evening warren walansky and steve bisonet of plank a digital web agency they've been around since 1998 guys? 1998 yeah. and yet so you've been around for a while this is no fly-by-night digital operation um talk about uh, sort of the evolution of the web and and how difficult it is sometimes to convince clients to update and it's hard even if you had a, a website for five Five six years, and you know, sometimes an re- update is required. But what's what's your best pitch for someone who has an outdated website? Yeah. So on your first point, you know, to say how has the web changed in twenty years? It's changed immensely. Uh, to, that would probably be another whole radio show unto itself. Um, but on the idea of a website, so now I recognize that you know, not just I was going to say small organization, but I'd say any organization it's still painful to take money and invest it into the website. So the first thing you need to do is you need to start to figure out what are the things that you can measure for success. In other words, you have to come up with a plan of saying, like, what does success look like? And then how do I use that website for to, to drive that success? The, the main way that I would try to make the argument for somebody who's wary to spend money is using something called iterative design. In other words, what you want to do is you want to take a little bit of money every month and just experiment and change and evolve it. And I think if somebody gets that mentality in their head and they start to just put aside a little bit and they start to see the results of the changes, that's a good way for somebody to understand how to actually um, improve their site longer, longer term. Now, I, I know we're, you know, we're not going to spend that hour just on, on tech changes, but if you had to think of one, you know, what's been the biggest game changer in the last 20 years from, from a technology standpoint? 
the absolute biggest change has been mobile for me personally. Social media, you could definitely say was one of the main changing um, elements, but mobile changes changed enormously the relationship with the internet. The internet for the average user used to always be a desktop computer, and that still is a way that a lot of people use it. But mobile, tablets, completely changes your interaction, the way you physically use the object, the idea of not having a keyboard in front of you and a screen a few feet away from your from, from you, but on a bus anywhere, that easily was that was a major change that we had to take take into take into account. So AI, artificial intelligence, is that is that hitting hitting your your desk and what you're seeing out there as well? Uh, of course. Yeah, we're seeing little bits and pieces of it here and there. Uh, the pieces that we see right now tend to be fairly invisible though. You know, we're looking at pieces that help our clients do their work better, faster. Uh, not necessarily the you know that chatbot idea, that robot behind the site, but more the tool that'll let a client, um, let's say, go through a thousand photographs and quickly pick out the ones that are already on the internet. Somebody copied them, or uh, possibly go through and um, rank a bunch of text. You know, just these really mundane type jobs that there are really good AI and I'm doing it in quotes tools out there that. Uh, apply fuzzy logic to problems. Clients, uh, it's easily to re it's easy to return that value in a lot of those cases. So we're, go we're gonna switch gears a little bit and uh, we're gonna turn to the people side. Mm -hmm. uh, now you guys are currently partners uh, and Steve, uh, as you said earlier, Warren was uh, the first employee, but now you're a partner. So can you talk to us, uh, maybe Steve, I'll ask you from your vantage point, going from employee, although you kind of probably felt it was like yours, you've been there so long, to becoming a partner. How did that work? So for me, um, obviously working with Warren for 19 years, I met him at a freelance job before Plank, actually. Um, I came on and was invested from day one. My partnership was an earned equity scenario where I slowly built up my investment, my own personal stake in the business. Uh, Warren, uh, I feel it was very helpful for me to give him some backing, right? He started to become much more involved in business development. And I had the skills of having done all the jobs at Plank. I'd been designer, I'd been code, program, uh, project management. So I was able to come in and really help him run that side of Plank, understanding the products that we were going to make and the teams that we we're going to have to support to do that work. Um, but in terms of the partnership, uh, we're going on, we were just joking before how many years it's been. Yeah, I'm starting to lose Kent, which is a sign of a true partner, right? I'm just like, yeah. Uh, our, our partnership was, uh, Warren was, uh, he recognized that interest I'd put into the business, that, that, that sweat, and uh, he rewarded me for it, and I'm grateful. Warren, was there an aha moment? Was there a particular time that said, you know what, now's the time to, to do this? You know what, the, the, the time was actually when I realized he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it just became clear one day. I'm like, Steve's not going anywhere. And there are some days where he's able to, to, to keep things moving forward where I could be in some kind of emotional state that I'm just off doing my own crazy thing. Um, so I just looked at him one day and I'm like, why are you not a partner yet? And I guess it was just that realization of like, this has to change. This is somebody who's as invested into this company as I am. Now, when you're, when you're just a quick question, when you're doing all the, the legal work and the paperwork to do, make it all happen. Are you guys using the same attorney? Are you are you you have your own, so you give your own proper guidance? So when when we decided to do that, Steve and I sat down. Now we, we we're pretty good. There's there's no question that we sometimes disagree on things, but I don't think we ever get in a conflict. Is the best way to describe it. So when it came down to the partnership, we laid out what each of us wanted. We laid out what it was going to look like, and we kind of agreed. We said, okay, this is exactly what we want. So we didn't see a need to have 
competing lawyers on this. We had one lawyer who helped to draft everything for us. And we just said, we, we are going to define what this partnership is. And we had the lawyer then execute that for us. My feeling is, is that lawyers are there to serve us and help us more than somebody to be feared or somebody to, 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 to worry about. They give if you give proper instruction because you know what you want, then absolutely. Mm-hmm. So now, let, from a from a full team aspect, how many people are you in at Plank today? Uh, today we're fifteen people. A couple of those are part time, but uh, and a lot of them have been with us for quite a while. We don't have much time left, but let's talk about culture a little bit. How did you create or maintain the culture that you have today? So funny enough is is I have a very specific view on culture. There's a lot of people who look at culture and think, oh, well, because there's a foosball table in, in the office or there's a video game machine, that means it's X kind of culture. Those are kind of physical signposts of you kind of telling people what you think your culture is. For me, culture is what's created by the people in the room at that moment. In other words, the culture of Plank... Yes, is going to be is going to be is going to be shaped by myself and Steve and the way we want to do things, but that other group of people is going to define the culture um, more than more than anything else. We were talking early in the program about millennials in particular, and I'm sure you have probably a lot of younger web designers. How how do you motivate younger employees, and do you throw in some of those perks? Um, well, we definitely have perks. This is something else that I don't believe in. I, I believe that we oversell this millennial problem. I don't think it's a millennial problem. I think it's I think it's just people are twenty, people are thirty, people are forty. And now I'm 40, I'm not 20, so calling somebody a millennial is a way to find a way to understand how to deal with somebody who's 20 years younger than you. That's just the way people are. I was probably more like a millennial then, so I just see it as we give everybody the same level of perks and the same level of attention, and you just get the people to react to it however they can, however they do. It's like that term work-life balance, which a term which I, I honestly can't stand because it's not work-life, it's just life balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my, It's my, just life balance. Whatever you're going to do in life, it's just life balance. Yeah, and everybody everybody's life is gonna is gonna be different. Some people are gonna need substantially more life balance time, and some people are gonna have no balance at all, and that's fine. And whatever whatever each individual person needs, that's what the culture is gonna is gonna fit. And most entrepreneurs uh, choose the the imbalance yeah. <laughs> aspect, but that's that's a story for another time. Warren Rolanski and Steve Bisonette of Plank Digital Agency will have their one pieces of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. But next, Josh, we'll chat with Mission Mayette of, uh, of Fuller Landau on HR issues, uh, talk about employees and such. And some performance management and generations. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.50 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And we're joined by Warren Volansky and Steve Bisnet of Plank. I wish we had another hour with these guys. They're talking about fascinating stuff about how we're going to be using our voice to navigate websites soon. Voice recognition. We'll have to save that for, a, for another show. But in the meantime, Michelin Mayette is here, HR specialist at FL. Welcome back, Michelin. Hi, Dan. And uh, Josh, let's tackle some people issues. And I think we're going to talk about performance management. I know uh, you know we're talking uh, about different generations and, <laughs> and and incentives and all that, but feedback is definitely a, a huge aspect. So yeah. when somebody says performance mm. management to you, Michelin, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think I love I loved what Warren said earlier because you know we define certain generations, but really we're defining how society has changed over time more than anything. So I mean, you could go back and the baby boomers thought Generation X was crazy because they wanted work-life balance and stuff like that so it's really just showing the evolution of society and often i'll say you know there's nothing that millennials want 
that Generation X or baby boomers don't benefit from mm -hmm. often. So, I mean, often it just shows how society has changed. And so one you know, major change you could see in the workplace is performance management. Um, and really, it's just, you know, today, everything's about uh, immediacy. So everything happens, you know, people expect things to Inst be instant. Instant gratification. Yes, on demand. On demand. So, I mean, there's no, today, the thought of waiting a year to get feedback on something you did is like nonsensical almost. So you see a lot of um, people right now, or articles are talking about the, you know, abolishing the performance review. And I just, I like to correct that because it's not necessarily that abolishing the idea of giving feedback, people read a little bit too much into that statement sometimes, but I think it's more the format of how companies are traditionally doing it to do it once, twice a year and give feedback over such a long period uh, that really the trend right now is to go towards something much shorter. Um, so not necessarily not documenting everything, but have a shorter form that's much easier to complete you know, maybe even just periodically, maybe you don't always need the form, um, but so that you can give it on a more timely basis. So are you talking really continuous, almost that there is no time frame, uh, kind of an as you go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as you go, I mean, as you have feedback, uh, you give it. I mean, it, it's kind of maybe a little bit, uh, you know, too too perfect to think that people will just give feedback all the time. So a lot of companies will still have some kind of guidelines. So maybe a minimum of once a quarter or encourage every two months. But the idea is that the feedback that you're getting is continuous. I remember seeing one sort of application uh, to deal with these things internally where essentially the employee was acting as if they were on Facebook, you know, like liking something mm -hmm. the employee did yeah. and having that sort of social media validation. Is that mm -hmm. is that something you're seeing as well? A hundred percent, because I think the only way that you can do ongoing feedback well is you, if you have some kind of way to track it that's pretty easy, especially in a bigger organization. Um, and today there's so much, I mean, HR finally is being a bit better served by technology than it was in the past. Often HR was the last department to get any kind of technology. And today with the per user pricing that most softwares go to, even a smaller company can afford to get some kind of technology where you can put in some quick comments on an ongoing basis and fill out a few forms so it goes fast. Yeah, well, funny enough, Steve actually did a really great thing. So we use Slack as our internal communication tool. Mm. And he put it in PowerUp, which which is called a kudos. So what happens, we decentralized Steve or myself having to give all of the feedback. Whenever somebody says something in Slack or says something that they did, you can automatically give a little award and a kudos and other people can jump in and mm. do it. So it's really good for, for peers to be doing that to each other. Yeah, yeah, we'll collect all those and then give them back to the team like in a quarterly kind of state of our company meeting where we go back and list through them and they're real wins and everyone sees them they're very clear and transparent mm -hmm. uh, you know i would say one of the biggest challenges i would think michelin is is time because you want the you want the feedback to be done often but will people take the time to do it and and you know everybody's running 100 miles an hour and yet mm -hmm. we want them to stop and take five minutes to write but maybe it's five minutes per person and maybe there's 10 yeah. people so yeah. how do you manage that that time i aspect? think it's really a habit getting into the habit of doing it and really changing the company culture so it becomes something natural and not something you have to think about and i mean like i said the the main thing is speed if you're expecting people to fill out a 12-page performance review form for every employee monthly then that's all they'll do with their time I and mean, it's crazy so it has to be something really fast um have people get into the habit of doing it and then when you see what the benefits are often uh you know you'll get it, you'll get into the habit of doing it naturally are you seeing specific softwares out there that are that are good or bad or mm -hmm. scalable depending on size of the companies yeah for sure i mean there's a whole bunch of softwares that people are using uh, I, I can name some maybe bamboo mm -hmm. hr um there's kin that some people are using also 
Um, there's some Montreal companies, Collage, um, so HR Wise is another one. So there's a whole bunch of companies that have an HRIS, and most of them have some kind of integrated performance management module to it. And when you're talking about generations or different age categories, as we'll we'll kind of talk to uh, to Warren's point earlier, different approaches. You, I mean, you can't have five different approaches within one company. No, of course. So, I mean, like I said, the the other generations just benefit from, I guess, from the trend to give more feedback. I think the difference is that in the past, because it wasn't something that was part of the culture, um, people didn't ask for it as much. But millennials will actually go and ask for the feedback more regularly. So which is kind of forcing employers to go and give it more regularly. But it doesn't mean that Generation X or even baby boomers don't uh, don't mind getting you know feedback more often. Performance management, uh, it you know. Everybody wants it, or at least uh, certainly newer, younger generations want it. But it, like you say, it benefits all. Thank you very much, Michelin. You're welcome. And as we approach the last moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll turn to Warren and Steve and ask you guys, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? For myself personally, it's do what you're passionate about. That was what got me into doing what I'm doing now. And I was just saying before to, to everybody here that if I wasn't getting paid to do this, this is what I'd be doing for my own enjoyment and fun anyways. I actually love building things for the internet. Excellent. Thanks, Warren. How about you, Steve? Uh, I think for me, it's patience, patience and commitment. Uh, we see a lot of uh, hype around startups and uh, very quick win businesses. Uh, we've really found reward in uh, a long-term plan, uh, moving a little bit slower, but a little bit smarter and uh, trying to create something which we're really proud of for the long term and is really going to help our clients. We're going to be there years, hopefully years from now for them. Excellent. Thank you. And Dan, my quick takeaway, we didn't really talk about it much, but at the beginning of the program, they said they focus on a specific industry, arts, culture, and entertainment. And uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, if you can find something in a niche area and be known for it, I think it's, it's a great formula for success. Hey, 20 years in the trenches of the web business. Congrats, guys, on your success. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you very much. Warren Wolanski and Steve Biesnett of Plank. And, of course, thank you to Michelin Mayette, HR consultant at FL. Next week on the program, Josh? Uh, surprise. It's a surprise, eh? Yes. Stay tuned. Next Monday night at 7. Don't forget, flmontreal.com. Click on the community section, and you can hear eight years' worth of our profiles right here on CJAD. See you next week.